0: Welcome to the Young Buck and Old Goat Podcast. I'm the Old Goat Daniel,
1: and joining me today is... The Young Buck Kazi.
0: Here on the Young Buck and Old Goat Podcast, we're going to highlight and discuss some of the most important developments in the world of digital assets and cryptocurrencies.
1: And take a look back at the major price movements from the past week and discuss potential plays for the upcoming week.
0: And as always, this production is presented for educational and entertainment purposes only.
1: And nothing said here should ever be taken as financial advice. And we recommend you always do your own research. And please like and subscribe and rate us five stars. It really helps us reach more people and we'd be eternally grateful.
0: welcome to all of our listeners on spotify itunes to episode number two we're going to take a look back at the week ending february 27th 2022 highlight some of the plays we've discussed in our discord channel and highlight some of the fundamental catalyst events that we uh that we should keep an eye on kazi how are the markets this past week
1: yeah so we did see the market um be quite uh, volatile within the past week um so, uh well, I'm going to talk about today first because um, there's something I've been looking at uh, just today. And that's the Bitcoin volatility index. And it's going towards the levels where it usually makes a big move. Uh, I, like, as always, you don't you don't know which way Bitcoin's going to move. It's just an indicator that there's going to be a big move coming in. Um, like we've seen the overnight uh, strength of Bitcoin above uh, $38,000 currently. However, uh, we are still trading sideways at an area of resistance. This means we have to be extra cautious and patient uh, until we see a breakout above resistance or a move down to test support. Uh, there is a FVG gap yet to be filled in uh, between the 36.3k and 38k region. Um Yeah, so I'm going to talk about mid-caps. They've been quite correlated to Bitcoin. All the moves up and down have been quite fast. I'm pretty sure everyone was caught off guard by the move uh, up a few days ago. Uh, And I want to touch up on Terra Luna, which has shown immense strength during the dip and has outperformed um, majority of the coins by far. I saw a lot of people um, just absolutely shocked about, like, how strong uh, Luna has been. So, um one thing I always do, I always look at which coins are strong against um dips. And this one did recover like most of its key levels quite fast after the dip. Um, another coin uh, I've been looking into, the small cap I, sp- I spoke about last week, Onino. Uh, it has shown a, a lot of strength against Bitcoin, still up around 50% since my call. So it does look quite good. Buyers are buying the dip. When you see coins that don't dip as hard against Bitcoin, it's usually a good indicator that they will be uh, they will be the ones performing the best when Bitcoin starts to have a bullish rally.
0: Yeah, it's been um, it's been interesting watching just how, you know, we've always said that Bitcoin leads the market, right? And and when times are normal, we get into this minutia of watching Bitcoin dominance and seeing just how much that's going to play and and, you know, whether we're on the cusp of Flippening or all, all these different kind of concepts we look at uh, over over the market cycle, but you know when when crap hits the fan like it did this week, uh, in a lot of ways, all of the crypto money tends to go back home to Bitcoin, right? um and 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 bitcoin whenever it's it's a slight up or down the rest of the market just follows it in lockstep so so finding those uh small caps has been really great a good way to uh to keep from necessarily getting washed out every time um every time there's a new news article or there's a rumor that negotiations are going to happen or they're not going to happen you know so it's uh it's, it's really good that you're finding those, uh, those small caps that are holding up against it. And Luna, especially, that is, um, that's certainly not a small cap by any means, but <laughs> that's one I've kind of been watching for like six months now. they they really have a phenomenal development team. So, yep. I, I think I'm going to be adding that, uh, into kind of, you know, almost like a mandatory hold status, right? Like, like, when you look at your overall portfolio, you have to have some ETH, you have to have some uh, Bitcoin to, to round out the rest of your portfolio. And, and I think Luna is, is probably going to be one of the next ones that, that makes it into that category.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I'm going to be doing the same thing as well, Daniel, because like when I see that type of strength from a coin, it shows me like the people that call themselves holders, they actually do believe in the project, which means that like the dips on them won't be as substantial, which is actually a good indicator for like a profitable investment as well. And also, I'm not going to, I'm not sure if a lot of people will know what I'm talking about here. But if you look at the Fibonacci levels um for the stock market, I'm talking about uh, gold and soybean and stock like that. They all hit the uh, 0.618 Fibonacci levels and then started to drop. So it makes me question um, like the volatility we saw in the past week where Bitcoin dropped to around like 34k. Was this orchestrated to bring cheap Bitcoin for uh, Russia or like another country or not? because the volume was also crazy for both the stock and crypto market um a lot of people were talking about like this was probably one of the most um like one of the days with the most volume uh, we've seen in the history of both the stock and the crypto market so i don't know what do you think daniel do you think it was uh, a move made by these countries to do this or
0: yeah and and i'll get into a um i guess we can get into it now so the volume I'm not surprised about, right, because if you are, let's not, you know, not necessarily like an Abramovich level oligarch, right, like super wealthy. But say you're somebody over there in either Ukraine or, or Russia or, you know, honestly, uh, Estonia, Poland, any of those, East, you know, formerly Eastern Bloc countries, and you see what might be coming down the pike, right? Yeah. Um, it's probably, you know, you're, you're looking at, 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 protecting your assets. Um, so I think in some ways, Bitcoin over this past week was likely used, uh, in some ways is like, you know, in a way that XRP w- was wanting to be used, right. Was yeah. let's cash it into Bitcoin. And then we have somebody over in Seychelles or Cayman or somebody else on the other end of that and they cash it out into whatever currency uh they want it but they just know they've that keeping it you know in their home bank right now is not uh is not necessarily the most profitable uh way to go about this and that's what I would be doing if I if I was over there and I had large assets and I I would not be keeping anything especially if I'm Russian or Ukrainian. I'm not keeping anything in the banks at this point, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I we, we talked about it last week. Look at Canada, right? Uh, if if you donated ten bucks to a uh, trucker convoy against vaccine mandates, all of a sudden you're looking at financial, you know, internal financial sanctions, right? So, you know, the the overall narrative that, that certainly the Bitcoin maxis have have enjoyed. Uh, talking up this past week is, that uh, you know, become your own bank. Right. And, 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 and I, I agree with that in a lot of ways. Um, and the banking system has really done a great job of just like every other one of our institutions, it seems like uh, is, is losing the faith of its people. Um, and so, but to your point, that's what I think a lot of that volatility was. I think it was large purchases of Bitcoin, to yep. then be transferred to then be cashed out. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some people that that held some of it for sure. Uh, but I don't know for the people that are protecting vast amounts of wealth if they're necessarily want to ride what Bitcoin and what what the markets are going to be doing in the next say three weeks even yeah um, because because there could be there could be some dramatic uh, dramatic changes. Um, as far as just, just the news in general, of course, we've seen the Russia, Ukraine situation, absolutely dominating the news as it should be. Um, this is, it's not trivial what's happening over there. You've got a, uh, maybe not as, maybe we don't consider Russia a superpower still, but, uh, I tend to default that if you have nuclear weapons, you're a superpower, right? So. Um, I, I hear a lot of people trying to trying to split hairs on whether they're a declining superpower or a mid-level superpower no they've got nukes they're they're a superpower right um, and anytime they are invading um, the whole world's gonna stop and take notice and where this is especially important to us and and if you've been on the Vapid hellscape that is Twitter. You've seen <laughs> you've seen the uh, um, so many people talking about like that. You know, if they kick Russia out of Swift, then Russia could start using Bitcoin, and that'll change. You know, that'll totally change the game for us. So, I just want to like just pump the brakes a little bit on this, right? So, and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm no fan of the SWIFT system, but, but just for everyone's clarification, right? So SWIFT, technically a, an LL, it's an LLC out of Belgium, actually. The governing board is made up of all sorts of members of, of what they call the G10, right? So all your biggest economies, you're going to have France, Germany, yeah. Holland's in there, uh, Japan, China. Um, and, and it's a messaging system and, they are technically, you know, they promote that they are apolitical and they don't, they don't try to control or even monitor the messages that are sent back and forth to intra-bank. Well, how quickly the narrative from world leaders shifted to let's kick Russia out of SWIFT. You know, that is quite obviously a, a, Bludgeoning style sanction that they want to use. Um, and so it is not an ape, you know, it's a, it, just the fact that it can be used as, as a sanctioning method means that it's, it's no longer a, a an apolitical a organization. Um, and, and I think my belief is that they jumped to that sanction method far too quickly. Yeah. Um, and, and that should have, they shouldn't even be mentioning that right now. Part of the reason is that it's exposing the fragility I would say of the US dollar dominance as, as the world Recur- world reserve currency excuse me because if they do that right so if they kick Russia out of Swift completely now they, they did sanction a lot of the banks, um, in Russia, from using SWIFT, so they're, they they kind of took a half step there. They say they do it all the way, right? Let's game this out a little bit. Well, Germany still needs their gas, so now Russia, being the supplier of that gas, gets to gets to dictate. Okay, this is how you're going to pay for it. Okay, and so if Russia says you're going to pay for it and say, Bitcoin, or you're going to pay for it in cattle or whatever. You know what? Germany's going to do whatever they can to get that gas flowing. Because cold citizens and 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 shut down factories lead to, if, if there's any one commodity that can destroy, the lack of it can destroy a society, it's energy, right? So yep. they can't really play around with that. So Russia's still going to dictate how they want to get paid. China has been, you know, would certainly have no problem acting as that intermediary, right? So say, um, say Russia just decides, all right, fine. You've got to play, pay us in, uh, Chinese yuan. Okay. So now you've just made one of the largest economies in the world utilize Chinese currency as your intermediary when it used to be US dollars. Um, that that would just annihilate the U.S. dollar's uh, standing as a world reserve currency, um, and and I think it could be a very cascading uh, uh, cascading situation. And 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 we really haven't had a, a real threat to the world's reserve currency since nineteen forty seven, whatever the Bretton Woods treaty was forty six. I could be wrong. Um, you yeah.
1: Know, so-
0: go ahead
1: uh, yeah, yeah yeah so um one thing I, I was having a discussion with like some of the people uh, i was talking about and you were like uh there's um no real like competitor as of now but if you do see like um the maxis uh of bitcoin like talking about like our oh, sacks and uh, not sacks stack sats and stuff like that um so i think uh, within like payment and stuff like that, I don't know how far Bitcoin will go because com- uh, if countries really want a lot of Bitcoin, I don't think they'd be wanting to pay in that. So, uh, I think even like someone like Elon Musk has been talking about that as well. Like, uh, some people are saying he wants to accept Dogecoin because, like, it's it's a currency that's not really like it doesn't matter to people because he just wants to keep his Bitcoin like to himself. So. I don't know about how, how far like Bitcoin could even be a competitor for like, for like a one world currency and stuff like that. But uh, well, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, for, for like a world reserve currency, it, it would be tough. Um, the other issue you're going to have, and and I don't think, I, I think the maxis tend to gloss over this point. Right. Um, and that's the entrenched interests of of the the global, call them the global banking dynasties, if you want. Basically, your central banks, the, you know, they have an entrenched interest in maintaining fiat currency. In so much that they know, if you, if you control the money money printer, you control that country, right? Um, and and certainly, politicians always want to control the money printer and And even though it's i mean it's it's certainly bad for economies right we can there's a million metrics we can look at to to show that that you know being able having the ability to to print money on demand is not healthy for an economy um i know the, the modern monetary theorists would would argue with me till they were blue in the face, but that's fine whatever um those aren't serious people and the the other issue is this is where like, like I say, I want to pump the brakes a little bit on, on the, the, let's change everything over to crypto right away is because the second, say Russia comes out and says, all right, we're going to take Bitcoin for our exports. Okay. So yeah, we would certainly see a nice spike in price. And then what happens? Well, and then you get the central bank saying, see, we've been telling you that Bitcoin is a problem. And although the value of Bitcoin may go up, the places that you can actually off-ramp that Bitcoin are going to get crushed. Now, all of a sudden, your Coinbase's, your any of the exchange where you can actually off-ramp BTC into um, whatever your local currency is. Are now going to be regulated as a matter of national security, right? Which is a whole lot different than being regulated as a as a security exchange um or, or a commodities future uh style regulation. Right now you're talking about Bitcoin being actively weaponized by governments and central banks. And to me, that is the most likely outcome if if you have a major superpower utilizing it um especially one uh that threatens the US dollar's dominance right i mean any time anyone goes against the US dollar as the world reserve currency it ends up in bloodshed okay um and i'm you know i'm not saying I, I'm not passing judgment on that. I'm just saying that there's a long, long track record of that. And so ultimately that bloodshed is very seldom spilled by the people in charge. It's always spilled by the the uh, working grundoons out there like us. And so you know i'm I don't want to see that. I you know we we've talked about that in our discord channel that it is always you know your your middle class and lower class that that bear the br- bear the brunt of these uh kind of political spats or whatever you want to call them so so you know the idea of bitcoin being adopted certainly in these in this style circumstance I don't like because you know, yes, Bitcoin is superior to fiat money in damn near every way. Okay. Except for yep. the privacy issue, but th- that's another story. Um, however, if Bitcoin becomes the next weapon that is then deployed and you start seeing, you know, you start seeing the Kremlin or you start seeing the CIA or, or MI6 utilizing Bitcoin. And manipulating the market—that's going to be—it'll be nothing like the whale games we currently see, right? Um, so, so that's kind of one of those things that, like, I, I don't have a good answer for the for the dialogue that we're seeing on Twitter. It just makes me shake my head, and 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 I just can't, I can't get over this feeling like you guys really need to to kind of watch what you're wishing for because if you start getting competing superpowers and one superpower latches on to bitcoin it's going to force the other superpowers to take the opposing stance that opposing stance is going to lead to a lot of lost uh, a lot of lost savings and yeah you might have bitcoin but you may have to take a plane somewhere to some foreign country to actually be able to cash it out and then you're not going to be able to cash you know and then maybe you pay 40% taxes to get that currency back into your home currency. Right. So like, like there's, there's really a lot better ways that we could, you know, that mainstream adoption can occur as opposed to in the middle of a war. Right. And and I I don't think people have gamed it out that far. That's, that's, that's kind of my, 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 the bearish side, maybe in me peeking its head a little bit. Um, we're starting to see a little bit. I don't, I don't know if you're seeing this over in the UK or not, but over here, we're definitely seeing, um, you know, we have elections every two years. Yep. And, and so we're, we just had this past weekend was, uh, the conservatives have like an annual get together. Um, then they have it down here in Orlando now. Um, and they've, uh, You know, there's quite a few of them that were certainly speaking well of uh, crypto and and Bitcoin in particular. They they still sort of use Bitcoin as a synonym for the entire cryptocurrency space. Uh, The uh, one of them of note is a, a gentleman named Ted Cruz. And he's yes. a senator from Texas and Texas is trying to get as many of the miners as they can to relocate to their state so it's it's not surprising that he's you know found religion when it came to a when it comes to bitcoin and that's fine whatever i mean yeah. it's i'd rather him talking well but he's also a very polarizing figure right so this would be kind of akin to if you had Nigel Farage over there and he yeah. all of a sudden becomes the biggest Bitcoin advocate in the world you would definitely have people that otherwise might be receptive to Bitcoin that would take an anti Bitcoin stance because of the messenger and and that's a, I mean it's a pain it's kind of like one of those annoying things I, I don't necessarily know that uh, it's going to slow down adoption or not but it's it's going to lead to more stupid Twitter arguments because <laughs> like everything else in this world that's turned into you know right versus left, it, that's yeah. you're gonna see that in in cryptocurrency, and maybe you already do to a certain extent. I just kind of I try to ignore it, but uh it, it, yes, it's sir. kind of everywhere, right? Um, there was one more thing that, and this isn't US related. There's actually a couple things. Yeah. Um. So, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not super plugged into the EU regulators. Uh, I just, you know, it, it I. I don't like the EU. I don't like, (laughs) I don't like the EU or the (laughs) UN or I don't like any of them. Right. So, so I, you know, I have to force myself to read the news on it. Apparently there was an EU regulator by the name of Stefan Berger, the rapporteur for the European parliament's committee on economic and monetary affairs. Okay. So they were scheduled to vote on a, um, take a vote on a crypto asset proposal. It got pulled at the last second because there was extremely confusing language in the proposal and it looked like it was going to possibly ban mining, I believe, or ban proof of work specifically. And, and the language was just very unclear. So that's had a lot of pushback. So I think when you see that, and we had to say almost the exact same thing happen over here. I think when you see that that is a a lot of times that's a signal from the pol- from the political- cl- political class to the um to the 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 industry that they need to get more involved now whether that involvement comes by way of lobbying or paying for campaign contributions or pet projects whatever it is that tends to be the uh the gentlemanly shakedown that these regulators do—they'll—they'll they'll leak or float a proposal out there that's—that's that's very heavy-handed, and then all of a sudden, um your your local exchanges, like I'm sure LCX has somebody look, you know, lobbying these politicians right now, right, and FTX as well, right? Some some of your maybe Nexio even, so some of your your bigger crypto exchanges over there. And, and I'm sure some of the mining operations as well. And they want to make sure that that whatever regulations are going to come out are going to be, you know, favorable to the growth of the industry. And to me, I just, I always view it as, as a mob style shakedown, right? You know, the it'd be a shame if somebody accidentally came by and, uh, <laughs> and burned down your restaurant. Maybe you might want to pay this protection fee, you know?
1: Yeah. But uh, I just have a question for you, Daniel. What do you think will happen to like exchanges and stuff like that once regulations actually do hit?
0: It's, it's going to be, I, I, everyone wants regulations in some ways or a lot of communities do because like if you're in the XRP community, you think regulations are manna from heaven, right? You're, you're yeah. convinced that, <laughs> that that's, what's going to flip the fricking switch. Um, I don't think they're going to be mm-hmm. nearly as, I don't think the regulations are going to be nearly as, um, productive or, uh, growth enabling as people think, right? Yeah. It might do a good job of cleaning out some of the garbage coins, right? The, the, mm. the, every time somebody wants to fork a project and it's a new currency, you know, they might, it might come in the form of them saying, okay, here, here you go. Binance, you're allowed to only list coins that have applied for and been granted this crypto, uh, you know, crypto certification. Yeah. You know, it, 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 and that's, it's, it's going to make it like, if that does happen, invest in ETH, right. Invest in ETH and BNB because, because, You're going, any of those goofy coins, and there's a bunch of goofy coins out there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Any of those that uh, you're not able to take to an exchange and cash out, you're then going to have to take it and pay massive fees on uh, a decentralized exchange, um, get it into ETH, and then ETH of course will have a well, ETH, of course, will have a a certification of some sort, and then you could cash it out from there, right? So, yeah. you know, th- that's I, I think you are going to see a lot of the uh, crap coins go away, which probably isn't a bad thing. But then you are going to you are inviting the government in to regulate what you can and can't spend money on. That, yeah. in the history of mankind, has never been a good idea, um, and so yes regulations may help with broad sweeping adoption there's good people are gonna complain about regulations a lot once regulations get here for as much as they're hoping to get you know regulations will somehow make us more legitimate I, I think that is a uh, it's a very commonly held view but it's it's not one that I necessarily ascribe to I I don't see a lot of good coming out of regulation because look at the regulation of every single aspect of our life that government has, has stepped in on. Right. Yeah. You know, look at how, look at the great job they've done <laughs> uh, caretaking the banking system, even after 2008, 2009. Right. You know, they almost bring the world to its knees and, yeah one maybe two guys actually went to jail maybe <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know basically everyone got big bonuses so you know the 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 faith i have in the government being able to regulate anything correctly is is nil um <laughs> but you yeah. know that's oh, what can i say um so so eu's doing that um there's one more thing that I wanted to bring up, and this isn't, uh, my normal political thing, but I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Akazi, have you heard of Aletheia AI?
1: To be honest with you, Daniel, I have not heard of him. Yeah,
0: I just learned about him today, okay? So, I, and, and I need to look into him more because, you know, and this isn't me like trying to highlight a coin or anything what i thought was cool is they're doing a Alithe AI the intelligent trained to earn nft hub and i actually i found this on the uh, crypto briefing website so the reason i found this in, in you know in my other life I, I i've got a couple other you know consulting things that i do and, and one of them is with a company that has to do a lot of ai model training right and it's very it's not just time consuming. It's getting the data to train an AI model can be very expensive depending on what that model is. Right. But, but you have to get fast amounts of data. That's what makes things like Facebook and Amazon so valuable, right? Cause they get all this user data. So what Althea is doing, and this is, this is kind of brilliant to me, a brilliant business model. And again, I don't even know if they have a, a token. They may, um, so you get an NFT, right? Um, and I think they've partnered with like all the big ones, right? The CryptoPunks and then Board Apes and all that. It's quite good. All right. And so they're basically going to animate these things. Okay. And that's and I'm sure you've kind of seen some animated avatars, right? And that's, that's fine. Okay, cool. What they're doing, though, is if you own the NFT you will get rewarded in some way for training your NFT. So in a way they're outsourcing the mo- the AI model training that is going to be and, and this is I mean this is almost like general you know generalized AI, right? Where it's it's human interaction and you're gonna be using your model NFT avatar to teach this computer system how to interact, say, in the metaverse, how to interact with products, how to interact with brands. And, and I do need to look into it more because I'm, I'm sure Alethea isn't just going to say, okay, well, thanks for the data. We're not going to use it or we're not going to sell it <laughs> or anything. No. I have a feeling they're going to be an absolute revenue generating machine. And, and honestly, when I read this, I don't even care if they have a token or not. They, they possibly do. This is a brilliant business model in, you know, we'll say the real world, right? Like if Nike wants to know how these people, especially NFT, like if you're a board ape holder, right? So now you're, you're talking about people that are going to be in a, in a certain economic class within the virtual environment. How are they responding and interacting to, you know, Hell, it could be anything, right? Uh, uh, an avatar that's wearing this, an avatar that's wearing that, an avatar that's shopping here, right? So, like, yeah. it's a really like from from a, a purely science standpoint and a, and a business standpoint, I find it fascinating, absolutely horrifying at the same time, right? Because it, it's this continued push for us to monetize every single small interaction in our life and, and find a way to tokenize it. Which I'm generally not a huge fan of, <laughs> I, you know. I think there's a lot more to life than that. Um, but if if the train is heading down the tracks, it's 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 probably wise to know uh, who the conductors are going to be. And and I I think something like this is absolutely going to be a, um, a a big player in some regards, right? Because you're talking about taking that, you know, and people are already. Adopting a certain um, sense of community from owning a JPEG, in and of itself, I find that absolutely fascinating and mind-blowing. But but all of a sudden, you buy a JPEG, and you're now part of this 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 human communal situation, and and. and Now they're kind of bringing that up to the next level, right? So it's going to be an animated avatar. So these, these JPEGs are going to become these people's kind of identity, right? And if the metaverse, if your metaverse identity is on par or maybe even in some cases more important than your real world identity, then you're going to see people spending vast amount of times training these AI models for free doing the heavy lifting for these AI companies. And that's, that's, you know, whether you want to get into like topics of the singularity, I'm sure you've read about that, you know, all these ideas of of when it becomes that machines are truly smarter than us. These are the type of, these are the type of news articles that, that really spark my interest because that pushes, that pushes that needle that much farther. Right. Like it's, it's, I think it's going to be a very big deal, but Anyway, so that's my news for the week. Um really fascinating stuff, again, mostly Ukraine. And then I think it's gonna be mostly Ukraine again next week too.
1: yep And I think uh yeah, uh, just talking about uh Alethea, the the coin that you just well, I don't know if it's a coin like you said. It actually does sound quite good because I think um a lot of people just think like as you said, they just think uh an NFT is just a JPEG, but this company if they're like doing this thing uh like the technology actually seems quite good it brings like some sort of like life to it and makes it more relatable which is actually something that i think a lot of people want with their nfts and i think some people do believe that at some point that will happen with their nfts and that's why um i think a lot of like a few smart people as well have been like uh holding a lot of nfts so yeah that's actually quite a good find daniel like that's something i'm going to be looking into myself as well
0: yeah, and it it may also it may also kind of bring us to a a point where we start seeing the NFTs, uh, you know, is not Ethereum might not be the best format is all is all I'm saying, right? Like like depending on how much data can be embedded, that might get to be more and more important, right? Um, if that NFT is. You know, if it's if it's pointing to a database that has like almost an expandable size, or, or like Monero uses um, dynamic block sizes, right? Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be be a limitation for the NFTs or not, and that, that's uh, something I may need to look into. But you're going to start seeing NFTs that are really going to have a, a lot more programming, uh, going to need more programming capacity.
1: Yeah, and I think um I know I talk about it a lot, but like Onino as well. I think that if these two companies actually like work together, they can actually build something that's gonna be quite insane because uh O'Nino's technology like allows like NFTs from like different blockchains to be like stored centrally while also like having your real world identity to your metaverse identity. So these guys are doing something similar, but I think they go quite hand in hand together. So this yeah, is, I agree yeah. with
0: you, hundred percent. Yeah, and, and because you know, I'm <laughs> so. I'm, my parents. We I make dinner for them pretty much every night, right? They're in their seventies, yeah. and, and mom asked me the other day what the metaverse was, and and so I kind of give the the watered down version of it's <laughs> virtual reality. Okay, so yeah. if if you see somebody put on a VR headset, they're in the metaverse, and you know, I didn't kind of I didn't, didn't want to like go too far into it because. You, Kind of get that glazed look real quick. And that's fine. I don't blame her. Now, just like in currencies, just like in, uh, data transactions, right? Interoperability will be king. And I think that's, if you've got a metaverse environment, ecosystem that is siloed and somebody with a Solano based NFT can't go and interact in this other metaverse. That's going to be a killer. I think Onino no. is, is definitely, I'm not saying they're necessarily going to solve that. I think it's going to be your Oninos. I think your Quants. Um, mm. there's going to, there's going to be several different, uh, ways of handling that, but I, I think, you know, you want to be able to say, I'm going to go over to, and this almost pains my face to say, I'm going to go over <laughs> to Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse for a while because it's built out really nice. And I want to see what all is going on there. But then after that, I want to go over to this open source metaverse for a while. Okay. Wh- whichever one it was. Onina oh, will allow you to traverse those terrains. Yeah. You know, how, how that technology actually looks with does your NFT have all the same functionality in one metaverse compared to another that may be one of the competitive advantages that ecosystems try to propose to to attract more people into their virtual space and yeah it it will certainly be interesting to watch and see how it unfolds
1: definitely but
0: i mean whether you like it or not right it's I do think there is a certain inevitability to it happening also because of how addictive it will likely become. Um, I've seen people just play a little bit of VR and like when they take it off, it's, it's almost like they're waking up from a dream, right? Like it really takes them a little while to get reoriented back to regular world. So, you know, when, when cable TV came out, all of a sudden, People were spending nine and ten hours in front of the TV, you know, in in a day or or you know four or five, if you have a job, right? And, and that's was mind blowing to the previous generation. the The idea that you would just sit there and stare at a screen instead of, you know, maybe playing board games or, or whatever else those kind of family entertainments were before that. And I think we're going to see the same thing again, right? So the older generation is appalled at how much time kids spend looking at a you know at their smartphones well yeah you know it, it's i i think we're going to be rewired for all of a sudden people are spending all day and night and especially if you're you know for like the white collar class where their jobs are inside the metaverse then you know you are going to see people really like like they're gonna have eye problems when they try to look at real life because <laughs> their eyes are gonna be so trained to just looking in inside this headset. It, it's, I we're not ready for the transition as a species. Um, it's going to come with a lot of bumpy roads and, and we're gonna realize that you know people are gonna have to start getting uh, daily vitamin D shots probably because they're not gonna be going outside. <laughs> You know, and, but, but when these things take off, man, it's, I'm sure you remember when Pokemon Go kind of got introduced, right? Like, oh yeah. And Kazi, there was people getting hit by cars because they were staring <laughs> down trying to find a freaking <laughs> fake, you know, they were, they lost their lives in the search for pixels, right? <laughs> That's ultimately what it comes down to. And, and I am not trying to sound crass, but you know, there's, there is a, balance to life and sometimes as humans once those, man, once a dopamine rush starts happening and then endorphins get released and you know, we get all the serotonin we want we all of a sudden forget about reality for a little while so but anyway, I know that's kind of a uh, you know, an an oddball topic (laughs) but, you know, it is still part of the crypto space so we're gonna bring it up here what can I say? Yeah So anyway, what do we got coming up this week?
1: Yeah, looking ahead, looking ahead for this week. Uh, well, like as I've seen, like the past week as well, like large caps, mid caps, they're actually quite correlated. So like whatever I say about Bitcoin is actually me quite related to like the large caps and mid caps as well. So. I want to see like a large caps uh, retest their support levels and bounce properly if you want to see some bullish continuation. So for Bitcoin, I'd say that's around the 36 to 37k region where I'd want to see like a good bounce with a decent amount of volume coming in from buyers. Um, so that we could see like Bitcoin carry on going up, but like that's like the pivotal point for me. If we don't see a decent bounce from around that area, then I think my next place where I'll be looking to buy into positions would probably be around like the 29k area. Uh but with Bitcoin perf- uh, performing strongly uh, above the $38,000 region over the past 24 hours, um the right now the resistance is around that $40,000 uh, region. So I don't know what's going to happen like it, it, as long as that as long as we close above that region of uh, forty thousand, then I think that's when you can you can get into positions. <clears throat>
0: yeah the the other thing that I, I didn't write up a, a section on it, but I've seen a lot of uh, chatter about it, um, especially on the like we we'll call it the strictly financial news, um, the serious more sober financial news. A yes. lot of people believe that whatever rate hikes we were due for, um, so say it was going to be, I mean, I think, I, I think it was J.P. Morgan, could have been Goldman Sachs. Doesn't really matter. They're all the same faceless corporation. They were calling for like seven, you know, seven, possibly eight rate hikes throughout the year, right? Which is, I'm not going to say it's absurd. We We need a, a ton of rate hikes. However, just because we need them does not, by any stretch, mean that that's what we're going to get. I, I think we're going to see a more kicking of the can, right? And and I heard um, one analyst was describing it as we are. He was anticipating one what he called tapering tantrum, and I, I thought that was yeah. a great way of putting it. He expects to see a slight bit of tapering, a rate hike, and. And Wall Street will freak out and they're not going to do it again because, you know, cause again, like I said, elections every two years. The, the entrenched interests don't want to go into November on, on the heels of a massive recession. They're going to, they're going to do everything they can to avoid saying even recession and make it look as though everything's fine and we are picking back up. Now, those of us that do exist in reality and, and live outside of the uh, <laughs> the narrative bubbles that form, we already know inflation's here. We already know that the economy sucks. Uh, we already know that it's the, you know, a lot of this overinflated assets are, are going to keep causing problems. However, I, you know, you know me, Kazi. I, I tend yeah. to take a, a, a bleak view of, <laughs> of uh, government officials uh, acting responsibly. So I, I think we could end up seeing just, again, more money printing. That will certainly help Bitcoin out, right? Yeah. And to be fair, I, I was expecting a much sharper decrease with the news of potentially World War III breaking out. Um, and I, I think a lot of that was the traders, you know, maybe, maybe not so much the crypto traders, but, but people that are more looking at NASDAQ and those kind of, um, the, the more established, we'll say, uh, equity markets. Mm -hmm. They, they took this international crisis to be a reason why the Fed won't tighten the money supply and they're going to keep it loose they're probably not wrong right like i mean you you bet against wall street all day you're probably not going to get very far so you know i think with the with uh continued capital flow coming out of the federal reserve that that is also going to help bitcoin maintain those levels yeah you Know, I it, it's it, we're, we're at such whims of Nasdaq right now, and I mentioned this in the Discord channel the other day is that you know, we've we've the coupling towards Nasdaq or Nasdaq, sorry, <laughs> Nasdaq, the coupling towards uh with Nasdaq is it seems to be tightening over time, and it didn't used to be like that, right? Like, like, yeah. the, Bitcoin used to be. Uh, a couple of years ago, Bitcoin was coupled um, extremely tight only to the uh, the Hong Kong exchange. Um, and before that, it was probably I think it was more coupled towards commodities, right? So, so I it kind of Bitcoin is still you know twelve year old asset, but it is still very much evolving as far as where it's actually going to exist. The real question is when Bitcoin is looked upon as a, as a hedge and if, if that hedge is for the upcoming credit crunch that is bound to happen, right? You start getting mm-hmm. these, these yield spreads, th- there will be a tightening of credit. Do people run to Bitcoin or do people run to gold? um or do they run to both it's it's totally possible we see an uptick in both right like um
1: yeah
0: you know as opposed to we saw it this past week right like we did this in the academy it was like hey just keep your money in um you know buy packs g with your yeah. with your stable coins and that worked out really well for us we got like you know on what was normally going to be just money sitting there we ended up getting you know pulling 10 12% um some of us wrote it back down. Yeah. Um, but it's still, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see if, uh, if, if, if Bitcoin kind of splits apart from being a NASDAQ correlated asset, which it shouldn't be, right? It, it, <laughs> it really shouldn't be and gets more correlated to, um, something like gold and silver. Yeah, and that that will be like it'll be cool to see that. Um, but I, I, you know, right now it seems to be more of an inverse relationship, and even though I don't necessarily think it should be, what I think doesn't matter. So we'll see what happens.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think like I don't know, like it's quite, it's quite like we're quite, um, we're quite uh, like at an early stage for Bitcoin, like you said. So it's just trying to find its path basically, and, uh. I'm just going to talk about some of the gems I'm also looking into for the rest of this week. And, uh, one that I've covered in my Discord server, uh, just yesterday, I think, if I'm correct. Uh, it's Equalizer Finance. Um, I'm not going to talk much on it. I just want, like, maybe you guys can go and search about, uh, search about it, but it's just about, like, flash loans and stuff like that. So Equalizer Finance and Onino. As you already know, I, I love my Onino. So that's the two queens I'm focusing on. Uh, building my bags on them, trying to like buy the dip on those coins. Uh, I really like the work that both of the teams are doing. And like, if you take a look at the roadmaps and stuff like that, uh, it's quite stacked. Uh, so there's a lot of things to be excited about. Like, uh, Oh Nino, they just, the team just recently doxed and equalizer finance. Um, they're trying to take over like 50% of the entire flash loan market. I think that's valued around. I think, like five billion dollars, so it's so it's something to look forward to like uh I've been listening to a lot of these a m a s and um it's quite interesting to hear like what the team actually proposes and how they're gonna achieve these targets and like when you when you look at it in that perspective, like I really like the way that they're doing the work like not a lot of people know about them, but they're still putting in the work like they were like a larger mid-cap coin. So when I see, when I see, when I see teams doing that, like it gives me like a really, really good indication that, okay, look, these guys are putting the hard work in. Once they get a bit of recognition, people are going to go crazy about this. And I could probably say that like one of the key coins that I saw did that was probably quant. Like they were putting in the hard work basically before anyone knew them. And then once a lot of people started hearing about them did the like the price of quant like literally skyrocketed so that's the same thing i see here uh just trying to be early on these coins uh support the team while they're in their early stages and once they complete majority of their roadmap i can see the like the prices of these coins like uh doing the same thing like quant and also like theta as well
0: yeah, yeah, Theta was an excellent one. That's that's for sure. For sure. Um, also, I, I wanted you know we can we can kind of bring it up now. So yeah. we had some, we got a lot of feedback from our first episode. Uh, yes, I sounded horrible. <laughs> uh, it's because uh, for all of you listening, I am the old goat, and sometimes uh, <laughs> make old people mistakes like have my audio input going through my webcam and and not the actual microphone I spent all the money in. So, you know, we've got that part figured out. The other thing we were talking about was this podcast is very much for people that already understand the crypto market. And so we were discussing doing maybe a sub series. Um, I'd kind of like to keep this podcast the, the same format that we have it now but maybe do additional episodes where we we kind of cover it from you know this is you know an episode that you can have your normie friends listen to yeah that that don't know you know that that when when they describe it they're like nope it's just a big ponzi scheme or <laughs> it's just magic internet money and you know i i had somebody tell me one time that it was no different than Golden World of Warcraft. And, and, you know, my brain automatically goes to, well, you know, you could, but, you know, basically the weapons you could buy with that could be associated with NFTs. I'm like, no, 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 no. Hold on. No, you can actually do, there, there is real world applications. So, um, maybe, so I think we're going to start doing an kind of an educational sub series, uh, within this. So if you have any recommendations, um, please feel free to email them to us. Uh, you can reach me at Daniel at B C capital dot LLC and Kazi, uh, well, just, just email them to me for the show for now yeah. until, you know, sooner or later we'll get, we'll, we'll have a, uh, young buck and old book, old goat podcast.io, uh, emails service. But you know, this is only episode two. So <laughs> some slack people. Um, But anyway, so thank you for joining us. Uh, Kazi, did you have anything else you wanted to
1: to bring up? That's that's all. Uh, I think we've covered everything.
0: All right. So thank you all for joining us on the Young Buck and Old Goat Podcast. Again, please subscribe and give us that five-star rating so we can reach more people out there. And you can follow me at... Old at old goat crypto on Twitter. And Kazi, where can people find you at?
1: Uh thank you, Danny. Yes, you can follow me throughout the week at patreon.com forward slash crypto And I'm on Twitter at the CryptoKazi. And and
0: uh also guys anyone has any suggestions, our, our DMs are open. Um feel free to you know just find us on Twitter just like always, you know, be respectful and uh, and we'll interact with you for sure. So, all right, everyone. Thank you so much.
1: Bye, everyone.